This is Lamar White, and welcome back to Briefly Speaking. In the second half of my conversation with Rob Anderson, we discussed his opinions on some of the most controversial and often politically divisive issues that too often frame our national conversation. But first, we talk about the Overton window, as it applies to a certain congressman who once live-streamed his trip to the most notorious death camp in human history. So the reason that the reason that I know I'm, I'm, you know I've studied political science I actually almost majored in it and and probably write about politics I don't know every single day of my life <laughs> but I hadn't heard of the Overton Window until I watched um, an episode of a, a show called Billions I don't know if you've ever watched you, I have you, not oh yes you live in De Quincey Louisiana we do not have uh, Wi-Fi out there. Yeah. Well, there was a name of one of the episodes was the Overton window, and I thought, "That's what is that? What on earth does that mean?" And I guess you know it's it, it's fairly it's an old political science theory. Let me see if I can. It's named after Joseph P. Overton, okay? And I'm just reading just the basic Wikipedia definition um, because I'm lazy. Uh, the Overton window is a term for the range of ideas tolerated in public discourse, also known as the window of discourse. Uh, it's named after Joseph P. Overton, who stated that an idea's political viability depends mainly on whether it falls within this range, um, rather than on politicians' individual preferences. And essentially what that means is that on both sides of the political spectrum, left and right, right? There's, you can be on the, on the far, far, far right, there are ideas that are unthinkable. Below that, they're considered radical. Below that, acceptable and sensible. The window is ideas that are popular. And the dead center of that window are policy, ideas that become policy. And then you can, it shifts, um, let's say on the left, it's the same, it's the same spectrum, which is um, you know, sensible, acceptable, radical, and then unthinkable. Does that does this make sense? It, it does to me. Um, the way they drew it was a vertical, by the way. A vertical, yeah. When they originally designed it, so as not to confuse it with left and right. It is yeah, a vertical that's right. goes from unthinkable to radical, correct? To uh, so let's think, sensible, think, acceptable policy, or excuse me, popular policy, popular. And in reverse order. So an example of that, I think, in contemporary American politics right now, at least in the Democratic primary, would be something like, let's say, free college. Okay, free college. It's pretty radical. It's, it, Although it, it shouldn't it, be. It, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. It probably would be considered radical. Or... or um, in L.A., uh, Louisiana, L.A. In, in Louisiana, it would be considered radical. radical. In, 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 uh, in most circles, I think it would be considered either acceptable or sensible, but it's not within that window, right? right? Sensible. Is that the one just outside the window? Just outside the window is That's sensible. That's where I think it'd be nationwide. Right. People are talking about it, but other people, as always happens when they say something that they don't know how to argue with, otherwise says, how much will it cost? Right. As if the expense of an object in the United States is the deciding factor. Right. <laughs> with a $22 trillion deficit growing by how much a day. So anyway, sorry. So, well, I mean, you know, it's not quite in the window because... Although it's popular 
among lots of folks. I wouldn't necessarily say it's a popular policy universally, right? I mean, there's plenty of criticism about universal college, um, universal free college. I've heard it from people on the left. Um, there, there are people that they paid for it, and you know, why should I have had to pay a quarter million dollar for my education, and then these kids get it for free? Or, or you know, um, wealthy wealthy kids, right? Oh, uh, why should I have? Why should the government pay for uh, Bill Gates's children to have college education? Um, there's there's that pushback as well. Well, it depends if you're using a sliding tax scale to actually tax the rich at a level they can afford, then he would be paying for his kids' sure. college, and he'd be contributing to several others at his wealth uh, level. So, well, we talked it, about it depends on perception. I think well, we we talked about Donald Trump, and there are many things that I think any reasonable person would say way outside of the window. Right, right. You know, um, uh, banning Muslims. From immigrating into the the United States, yeah, the travel ban, yeah. it's, it, it, which was struck down while the airports were full of Muslims stuck in airports around the world, it's, without any forethought, without any planning, yeah, without any committee hearings or even public knowledge of it, they just decided overnight to try this. I mean, just, like on a whim, just like let's with you know let's ban Muslims. All right, now left-handed redheads. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it was arbitrary and immediate. I mean, it's, yeah, that it's, was part of the criticism. It's not even sensible. It's not even acceptable. <laughs> It's right. not really even radical. It's unthinkable. It's unthinkable. He went straight to unthinkable. He went straight to unthinkable and made it policy. Right. For a day. For a day. It wasn't long. Right, right. But yes, he did. They went straight for, straight to 11 as we were doing the Spinal Tap before. Yes, yes. Shout out to Harry Shearer. Yeah, there you go. Harry <laughs> Shearer. I should type that. Um, oh, since I'm tweeting while we're recording this, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he went straight to unthinkable. Agreed, and, 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 and he's done that repeatedly on numerous. And he has numerous uh, occasions, numerous cabinet picks, numerous. Oh, uh, 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 Michael Bolton. <laughs> man, I mean, just think about detaining children in cages. Oh my God! And then justifying it, and then losing them. Yeah. And then uh, now I, I don't want to get the number wrong, but I believe it's six. Six. That that's died. right. That, well, you may. We all may get the number wrong because who knows? Right, and that 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 they've admitted. Right, and, and so it's. There's a whole lot, there's so much wrong with it that, again, straight to unthinkable, not past radical or, you know, like, let's change Obama-era policies. No, let's just throw the brick at the window and see what yeah. happens. Yeah, And, yeah, yeah. straight to unthinkable. Well, and there's another, you know, there's another politician that comes to mind, um, and that would be Captain uh, Clay Higgins. I guess he still is a captain, even though they took away his little... Badge, uh, but then Jeff Landry uh, decided to give give him a little honorific, right? Right. I was about to say Landry just undid that. And, yeah. Uh, so so he can still pose in a little costume and pretend right. like he's a cop. Right. Again, um, he ever was a legitimate one. So before I met you, and actually we met um, at the at this, well, really it was a, a kind of a Bernie Sanders. A conference, a Bernie Sanders uh, network. Um, oh, certainly, it was uh, very sympathetic to yeah. Sanders and the so our Democrats revolution and the, folks, our revolution, and then Citizens United. Yeah, unrigged the system. Unrigged the system in New Orleans. And I got I got the opportunity to talk at, at a interview. Um, actually, Nina Turner, a, a pretty good link, very interesting person. Um, actually, this is really funny, Rob. As an aside, um, the person that I most enjoyed meeting and. Um, interviewing at that summit, which was here in, in New Orleans, was a guy named Paul Ryan, not to be confused with the uh, former Speaker of the House. Paul Ryan was the um, the very first attorney 
I, don't, I mean, actually, not sure. Yeah, he had to have been an attorney. Um, who filed a complaint with the FEC against Donald Trump for a campaign violation related to Stormy Daniels. And this was just like really? the very first dude to do this. And I can read, I mean, I, you know, I've gone back and read the interview I conducted with him. And man, he was like Nostradamus. He, he called... That's he, amazing, because this was February of... Uh, that's correct. ...of 2018. February 2018, and so the, the the paperwork, I guess, the first complaint was filed in late January, so it was one of the first interviews he ever conducted about this. And he doesn't get uh, nearly enough credit uh, for, for his um, foresight. So that's Paul Ryan. With, Paul S. Ryan. Middle name is actually Seamus. Paul Seamus, Seamus Ryan. From... Uh, Common cause, and then um, uh, the, the number of the last I actually forget because he switched jobs a couple of times. Okay, but, but um, he works. He works with Trevor Potter. If you're familiar with Trevor Potter, he was actually at the that same conference. He was Stephen Colbert's lawyer when Stephen okay, Colbert okay. decided. Yes, to, I did not remember to that. troll the South Carolina presidential primary. Yes. Um, but, <laughs> that's a favorite memory. But um, and you know, at the time you, you're uh, kind of getting your um, your feet wet, you yeah, know, absolutely. trying to learn the lay of the land and uh, get introduced to some folks who were activists and and advocates here in Louisiana. Um, exactly, which is what we did. And, it, and it was worked. it was it helpful? Do you think? It was for a few connections. One, it did actually give us some information that we didn't have. <laughs> Minnie Methvin was there, actually, yeah. and so was uh, was she? I, yeah, I hadn't met her yet, so I may have even. So seen was her. Dave. Um, Dave Lunglenay. He was we there. saw at the uh, Unrigged the system. Yeah. Um, we also, Josh Guillory said he was there. I never saw him, but I hadn't. I had read about him because I had read the Bayou Briefs piece on uh, yeah Josh Guillory, which you'd written in December or January. Yeah, yes, before the Albert Guillory, uh, uh, long before. Yeah, um, and he seemed like a you know just a, a regular was, guy. Yeah, well, the, well I, a what, progressive Republican. What I was, and I, you know, I don't want to harp too much about Josh, and I'll brag about him on this on this in this regard. Sure, um, Josh um, was. I guess I don't fully responsible, but definitely shares a lot of um, a praise and, and um, claim uh, for representing a, a lesbian couple. Yes, in an historic case, absolutely. Which is what his progressive cred came from. Yes, I think. and that, and that's he, exactly you know, right. He definitely walked the walk. He yeah. wasn't just saying, "Oh, sure, I'll honor LGBT rights." Right. He, he was the attorney. You know. And it, it, yeah, and it kind of surprised me actually when he decided uh, yeah. that he was a Republican. Uh, since you had known him, since yeah, uh, well, yeah, just and knew him through that angle, you know, through that um, story as well, and knew that he um, his, clo- his campaign managers uh, at the time were, were Amy Jones and her right. wife uh, Kelly helped out a lot too, and, and I have a lot of respect for Amy and Kelly of a course. lot, and so um, they vouched for him, and so. Um, I gave him the benefit of the doubt. Of course, if I had been in that district, it would have been difficult to know, I'll be frank with you, who to vote for, because um, I have such tremendous respect for you and Mimi, and, um, you know, bo- both of y'all would have been really fantastic. Either one of us would have been far superior to yeah. him, obviously, and, and, and will be. Someday. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, but, yeah, Mimi... Uh, Josh has disappointed me since, but I, I really think someday he'll remember he's 
you know, used to be command platoons or something and take leadership and stop. I hope so. To, I hope so. Stop listening to bad political advice. And it's like, man, you, you used to have principles. Act like it again, please. Well, so uh, let's go back to the Overton window because I mentioned it just by way of introducing the subject of Clay Higgins. Um, when Clay first ran for Congress mm-hmm. um, years ago, you know, I guess not. It feels like an attorney, but actually he's only in his second so, term. Right. It was only three years ago. It was only three years ago. Yeah, the Republican leadership obviously picked him because of his somewhat infamy from the uh, YouTube videos. The Crime Stoppers. The Crime Stoppers. And uh, so he was somewhat akin to the only thing of a celebrity that Southwest Louisiana had. Um, He lived near enough to the district. They started promoting him, you know, as the, the, the Uber cop and just, you know... And sold that image, told him what to believe, and they got him. You know the, the donors. It's the same old story. This is and a so good. This so is cliche a, because it's just true. This is a good. It's a good point in our conversation for me to pause so listeners can hear uh, a clip of Clay Higgins um, in one of his Crime Stoppers videos. Uh, if you have that pulled up right now, if you don't, I can. I have it. All right. Except for this one's at Auschwitz, Birkenau. The expansion of Auschwitz, where four more large gas chambers were built, making murder 2,000 people at a time. On these rails, rode those poor souls, hauled in from all over Europe. It says many, there's 20, 25% of them died on the train. Sometimes the trip was seven, eight, ten days. Had no food or water. Eventually, those that survived the trip ended up here on these rails. Now that's that's obviously not a crime stoppers video, but it's um, probably he's probably more well known for that now. Than any well, other. it has to be one of the singularly most inappropriate videos. And explain exactly what it what it was, because I mean, explain to people what that video. Oh, was. he went and actually filmed what you could not see on a podcast. Obviously, is that he was standing on railroad tracks of Poland, uh, the at the edge of the Auschwitz uh, prison concentration camp, and using it to promote anti-Muslim sentiment in uh, you know. A, anti-diversity sentiment here in the United States. Yeah. It was a political ad filmed in Auschwitz. Yeah. In, in summary. And, and Completely he got, inappropriate. And, and, he, and he, got, he got just lambasted. Pilloried. Pilloried, if you will, by... Uh, uh, and deservedly so. Yeah, pretty much every major uh, Jewish organization, um, relig- you know, ecumenical organization in the entire world, really. And nevertheless, I did a Google search or a YouTube search, and it took like 0.2 seconds to find that clip. It's yeah. Even yeah. if he's retracted it or apologized for it or withdrawn it, that clip still exists. Well, And he's still in Congress. So, so, something, so something is... Uh, amiss. Out of, something is yeah. amiss. Yeah, something's wrong. So, so when he first ran, I was... I was uh, this was before I was publishing the Bayi Brief. I worked um, as a freelancer for a number of publications, including The Independent out of Lafayette. And, and of course, that is the district, Lafayette. They were, you know, the end was interested in covering this guy. And received, I received a lot of information from 
Um, sources that uh, I shall not name, I will protect their identities as a good journalist, uh, ethical reporter would do. Um, but it was very fascinating that there was there was a lot of so Clay became a celebrity due to these little Crime Stoppers videos where he would just pretend like he was, you know, um, I don't know, macho cop. The uh, one the one man standing between you and anarchy. Yeah, yeah, I think is what he sold it as. And it turns out this guy was had been fired or forced to resign. Let's be you know. To be fair. To be fair and clear about it, you know. Um, well, at least twice from two different um, law, enforcement. law enforcement agencies. Uh, the Opelousas Police Department and the St. Landry Parish Sheriff's Department. Doesn't exactly line up with his public image. No, not at all. And um, got a hold of some of his internal emails uh, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. when he worked for St. Landry Parish. And this is right around the time that... The, the celebrity was rising. I think he was on maybe like Jimmy Kimmel's show or um, something like that. It, it, oh, as this little goofy yeah. cop who said these funny things on videos. Right. It was, a, it was the reality star thinking of yeah boosting a celebrity because they made uh, because if it's on YouTube, it must be real. Right. <laughs> so you've got so emails were like him basically negotiating, you know projects for him to make money capitalize on these on these little commercials that he had filmed um and uh it clearly was not an appropriate use of public resources to do this um they let him go the other the other the other time he was let go if you will actually he resigned sort of before they could discipline him Mm -hmm. uh involved him going to a conference Uh, he was already on suspension for um, assaulting somebody, apparently uh, putting a cigarette out on a man's—I don't know where exactly, maybe a man's hand or a man's shoulder or something like that—that he was detaining. But he put a cigarette out on him. Yeah, or uh, just or just somebody he, in custody. Rough handled him, and, and um, anyway, so they take him to this uh, the little group of cops. They go to this convention in Laplace, Louisiana, and um, Clay shows up and goes and buys uh, two cases of beer with another officer in their squad car in uniform and that's also a no-no so uh, understandably yeah so they so that's another reason he was let go um but that's not even the most egregious stuff people then found out he owed you know one hundred and forty thousand dollars or something like that in, in child support right um there was a taped conversation that came out very late in that campaign that between him and his ex-wife where he says you know don't say anything don't worry about it once i get into congress um this will all be taken care of because it was a little it was a little squirrely a little little the version i heard said there will be plenty of money there will be plenty of money those were the words that i heard now again I'll say I don't have sources. I heard it as innuendo, but I. Oh no! I mean, I, uh, yeah, I no. Did, there's a tape. Hear. It's out there. Okay. Yeah, it's out. There. I have not personally heard it. Yeah, all I it's was. out there. Um, and yeah, there's other there's other rumors, um, about this man that uh, are, you know, just it's unde- enough to call into question that he's not who he's marketed as, and that's the main thing. My, yeah. My main objection is, you know, why are you selling something he is not? Right. And and demonstrably and provably not. 
I can show you he was not a good cop, and he was just he was not a good cop twice. Right, and if you look at the actual actions he's undertaken, they are rather geared towards appeal towards white supremacy. Yes, let's talk about so one of the more recent stories. Call him a racist because you're not allowed to. Right, one of the more recent stories that uh, that I dug up. Actually, the Southern Poverty Law Center picked up this story that I wrote um, about Clay Higgins being, you know, in attendance at a couple of very well-known white supremacist, radical, militant um, organizations, the Three Percenters being one of them, the Oath Keepers being another. I heard from a member of the Three Percenters when I was posting one of my campaign diatribes about I picked the wrong group in Calcasieu Parish. Uh, and I posted in a group. I said, here, I'm running for Congress, and here's what I think of Clay Higgins. I didn't know what kind of group it was. It was just a public group. And they said, well, you know, he votes the way I want. I like him. He's, I said, he's done this. He's done that. And they said, well, you know, I'm a three percenter. And I was like, okay, then maybe this isn't the group for me. You know, recently there was a, a rash of Church bombings in um, St. Landry yes, Parish. Right, three, three, and Clay, Clay had Clay. For those of you who don't follow Clay Higgins on social media, he's got like five accounts, three yes. on three on Facebook at least um, that he alternates in between. You know, uh, one is a personal account, Glenn Clay Higgins. Then he's got a campaign account, and then he has a congressional one. Um, he was pretty adamantly, uh, um, you know, outraged. About these church bombing or church burnings, I should the burnings, say. Burnings, yes. Um, before they figured out who had burned they the, did. yeah. And I could be mistaken here, but it doesn't seem like we've heard much of a peep at a. Not since they found out that one of the arsonists, at least, uh, if if there was more than one, but the one they've arrested, yes, was the son of a, a Holden a, Matthews is his name. Yes. Yeah. I, don't like publicizing the crime. I, I don't mind uh, for this. It's your job, yeah, yeah, and specifically for this, yeah. It was the well, son it's, of a, it's son specific, of a deputy. specifically this because because exactly because he was the he son was of a deputy, the law enforcement, yeah, yeah at St. Landry in the St. Landry Sheriff's Department, which of course is where Clay Higgins used to work. And the other funny thing about this is that um, I've told people this, and they don't understand, and I know you do, um, why this is relevant. They. Clay actually lived on the same highway as this young man and his family, mm-hmm. but they they were about a mile and a half away, and so, you know so say that to most people and they go a mile and a half away that's that's that's, that's your that's, next that's, door neighbor yes <laughs> that's your next door neighbor in this in this neck of the woods right yeah, absolutely so so the chances of him not knowing. Who this kid is, who this, you know, it just seems slim. Slim and slim to none. But there is no direct proof linking them. But again, it is associative. It is. Yeah. It, it begs the question, but I don't think it's an answer in and itself. But it's absolutely a lead to Chase. It, it, I mean, we're a small state. Yeah. There's only 4.7, 4.8 in the entire state. That's right. That's right. And in my district, there's 786,000 and change. Yeah. Residents. And St. Landry's overlaps. Part of LA3 and part of 4. And a, and a little bit of 5. And a little bit of 5. So, but nevertheless, 3, 4, 5, you're talking a few square miles. Right. Everybody kind of gets to know everybody else. Yeah. And yeah, definitely if you have a... a 
somebody who works at the place you do is a mile and a half down the road from you up there. Yeah, you, you've met. Yeah, you know, I, I, I when I interviewed Josh Gillery, um, I guess at this point a year, year and a half ago, I don't know when exactly yeah, it was. was I asked, I asked him what because you know Josh running as Republican. What exactly has Clay done? What votes has he taken that offended Josh enough to uh, want to run against him? And I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't curious. I, I mean, there's many reasons you can you can talk about his personality. You can you can mention the fact that he curses out his own constituents on Facebook. He threatens people actually. Um, Including, he, he gave me kind of a veiled threat. To, told me I used to be a SWAT operator. Ah. 12, Twelve years as a SWAT operator. Do you, do you have Do you have any? Um, do like, I have a screen cap of that? Oh, that would be great. But yes, I do. Good. I can give you to you for a documentary. This, we'll attach it to the uh, to the podcast. Absolutely. Link. Uh, yeah, you can splice it in anywhere. So. Um, I was going to ask too that though. Do you have specific votes that that when you were running for Congress, were you made aware of anything that he did? Oh, I'm, I'm, so hold on before I start this line of questioning, the the, the um, comment that Glenn Clay Higgins left. So this is his personal account to you, Rob. Rob Anderson, you're more of a gentleman in person. Lead from the front. This this is sort of like a poem he's writing. It's all, it's very uh, discordant. And uh, yeah, it's, I'll, I'll so let the you line know, breaks. Comment before that, to which he's responding. Lead from the where, front, libertarian, independent, Democrat, whatever. Run is no party affiliation in 2020. I'm a 12-year SWAT operator. Stack, period. Entry, period. No knock, period. Google it. Yeah, that's a, that's a vague. That's not it's even... It's vaguely a, it's like he's going to shoot me or something. Yeah. It's like whatever, dude. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but th- this is par for the course for him. Absolutely. This is atypical of his... Or yeah. typical of his social media behavior. I just kept, screen capped it because... No, he, um, and I, to what he was, I was responding... He had made a post about AOC, just criticizing yeah, whatever. Probably because Social. he watches Fox News and that's exclusively, uh, yeah. And this is, I don't know, right after the election, December. Yeah. Um, and I, all I said was, dude, you're a Louisiana Republican and you're spending your days in Congress posting stuff, hit pieces against a, a freshman New yeah. York congressman. What yeah. does she have to do with you? This was before the Green New Deal. This wasn't specific legislation. They just didn't like her. Yeah. So I said, dude, you know, you got an I-10 bridge to worry about, which is at whatever, 8% of performance rating. And, you know, we have we have flooding in Cameron Parish. We have flooding happening all over uh, now after this recent rain, this before that. You know, I said, lead from the front. That was my line. I said, lead uh, from the front, sir. Stop wasting our time with trivialities. And it's, it's like me, if I won Congress, attacking some Republican in Iowa. What the hell does it have to do with me? He does have a habit, as, by the way. As a representative, as he, a candidate, you attack everybody. He does have a habit of, of using the term "good sir" as a, as a pejorative. I don't yeah. know if you've noticed that. Oh, I have, and I use it right back out of my yeah. sir. Yeah. Well, that's. I'll, I'll send you this so that you can uh, edit it into the. Yeah, yeah, we'll include podcast. that in the podcast. But I wanted to know though if you have, uh, if anything sticks out in your mind, things he's voted against or for. Is, uh just uh, was it yesterday that he just voted? Um, against disaster relief. Right. This $19 billion package. I mean, it was an easy one for him. It was a Democratic bill. All he had to do was put his name on it and look like a hero to his constituents back home, bringing home this big pack. Well, it passed anyway. But now he's got to explain to his constituents why they're about to get money for sandbags and, and 
uh, you know, flood damage from the the last storm. Why they're about to get that money, but it wasn't him that got it. Yeah. Because yeah. he'll take credit for it, of course. Right. Until somebody says, but you voted against this, you know. So I don't understand that at all, and that boggles me. Um, and I have and I have commented on his Twitter feed. He won't touch me on Twitter. It's too bad. Yeah, it is too I, bad. Because I trounce his ass yeah. on Twitter. On Facebook, he has me outnumbered, you know. It may be a little difficult for him on, on Twitter because he's got a, you know, you've got a character limit, and um, I don't know. It, I don't know. But it, it, takes, it takes a little bit of, well, I shouldn't say it takes a little bit of intelligence because Donald Trump has, uh, has demonstrated to, uh, I think, the entire world that you can base That's optional. Yeah, you can behave like a junior high school student and, you know. And have 50... Three million followers. Although Barack Obama still has more followers, far and away more, a hundred yeah. million more almost. Yeah, uh, because yeah. <laughs> so if Twitter so, is aimed towards the more literate, yeah, it's also as audience. It is, and it's Donald also Trump doesn't follow anybody, as far as I know. Trump also understands that Twitter is where journalists and the press and political pundits hang out to talk to one another. It's true. It's Facebook is not. Facebook no. is. I mean, I enjoy. I enjoy interacting on Facebook probably more because the nature of my publication is is a Louisiana-based, community-based thing. And, and it, I'm not really engaged. Or there's no need for the Bayou Brief to really engage with other reporters like, um, let's say, a, a congressional candidate needs to do. To get, right. You know. Um, and it also, there's just... It allows people to tell their stories and in a more. I think Facebook is a little more slow moving. I think it's it is. There's the difference. Yeah. Facebook is like sitting down for a family picnic. Mm-hmm. Like you can have everybody there. There's visuals and words. Do you think that Facebook should be broken up? I think they. I know the the house is about to start looking at some antitrust bills. You, do um, you agree with that? I I don't know where I come down on that yet, but I do think that unfettered Twitter and Facebook are turning into liabilities. Yeah, I mean, they're basically... Going forward. They're creating public policy. Right. They are, as... They they had a role in the last election. Absolutely. is still remains for historians to figure out. But they absolutely had a role. And will going forward. It's a no-brainer to know that Twitter and Facebook, Instagrams, that's where the future, you have to be in control of that. Your delivery, your message delivery, and your audience on the social media. In addition to, I mean, meeting people still works. Right. As Trump showed, you know, with the rallies, he was doing rallies, and I don't. But he didn't really engage in. He didn't really engage in retail politics like Beto O'Rourke or. No, no, no. But he did meet the people or get to every city. I mean, he visited at that at the very moment he was elected. I was at one point in a small town in Pennsylvania that he visited three times. Yeah, yeah. And that's amazing for a national and figure. And Hillary probably visited in No, nine. because yeah. it, she went to, you know, Philly and Pittsburgh, the bigger spot. Yeah. Maybe a, uh, State College, yeah. where uh, Penn State was. But so, so yeah, look, this little Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania, that nobody ever heard of, but that was his base. Right. And, and he did that look, all man, over. Someone who lives in De Quincey, Louisiana, understands the importance of showing up and meeting voters where they are. Absolutely, you it's know, down to five thousand, right? Yeah, yeah. And that and that's what I think is going to give someone like Beto and yeah. and, and maybe Mayor Pete an edge in Iowa because they're they're, they are yeah they're they on are the ground. touching hands right and listening to stories and let's talk about this. We're going to wrap up soon, so I'm going to ask you some questions. Sure. I know that I know that you know we're you're not you're still in the exploratory phase of. Um, of your p- potential um, campaign for 
2020 for, for the United States House of Representatives, Louisiana District, District 3. Three. Again, theoretically. Theoretically. So, so let, let's go through theoretically just some short answers about some, you know, potential platform issues that, or even if they're not platform issues, um, issues that uh, that I think voters are interested in and, and definitely have uh, become part of the presidential. Uh, conversation. Um, everyday topics. Yeah. Everyday topics. Everybody's okay, I'm going to begin. Let me begin with um, the legalization of marijuana. Okay, uh, cannabis should be decriminalized and legalized at the federal level. Immediately removed as a Schedule One narcotic, and uh, turned into a mildly regulated pharmaceutical on par with alcohol. Should should we expunge the record records of people who have been convicted of simple possession of marijuana? Absolutely, everybody whose uh, arrests and convictions were tied primarily to marijuana. Even I'm willing to go because a lot of times, as you know, it's an add-on charge. You know, mm-hmm. possession of marijuana and littering. You know? Right. But uh, yeah, certainly nonviolent. Uh, not not associated with any sort of uh, uh, theft. Yes, all uh, cannabis records should be expunged. Okay, um, private prisons. Oh, I'm against private prisons. I think if we have to be in the the business of locking up our own citizens, it's a solemn responsibility, really, that it should belong to the state. I don't think private prisons do it more cost effectively. I think they perform a much worse job. But it and also. They are entities that can donate to uh, political candidates, yeah. which creates an automatic, to me, an automatic conflict of interest. Well, um, if if you run again, would you accept political action committee money? That's a tough question because we focus mostly on corporate PAC money. Do we want corporations? Uh, when you say PAC money, there are political action committees. You know, you and I could form one. That's right. Yeah, you know, and uh, but, you know, but, say we're going to back some state legislators. And that's not on par. So you have a litmus test on issues. I guess that's the way I put it. You have a litmus test on certain issues that I'm not going to accept any money from big energy or or I don't know. I mean, no, any corporate entity, any any corporate corporate, entity, any for-profit corporation. We would not take that. You know, no, and not picking on Exxon. They're just the biggest petrochemical company in the world. Exxon, BP, any of them. No, but not even small businesses. If the, you know, if as I've always said, if the CEO of Exxon wants to write me a check at the federal limit to donate to my campaign, which is 2700 for a federal, I'd take it. Sure. Yeah. I'm just yeah. not changing my policy because of donating. Yeah. Because, you know, all the people, you're speaking for the people. I'm not ignoring big I business. think that's fair. I'm not anti and, and I think when people criticize candidates for taking individual money like that um they're they're sort of denying that candidate their own agency agency. yeah Yeah. you know i i have a certain set of platform positions that will be on a website and i'm not going to waver on those yeah never have they're all fact-based they're all science-based and they're all fair and climate change climate change is a tough one Why is climate change a tough one uh because um it has become so politicized that facts are being disputed rather than the important part is the climate is changing. The argument has become about whether it's man-made or not. Yeah. And to me, that part of the argument is actually irrelevant at this point. It has happened. If it is man-made, then the focus is in not only remediating 
as in cleaning up because we are at a high particulate carbon count, not only remediating but punitive is how it's viewed by the conservative side, that you're punishing somebody for having polluted, which are, should you? Probably. You're dirty. So, yeah, there. so like the oil so, and gas lawsuits that are going on right now in Louisiana. Right. And, and everybody. And it's a tough the, issue for you. Anybody yeah. in the third district, it's it a tough issue. Uh, we can't be, I'm not. You can't be anti-petrochemical. However, I mean... But a corporation creates a problem. A corporation is responsible for cleaning up that problem. That's my point of view on regulation. If you dump your toxic waste in a river, you know, maybe we would... Everybody in your corporation should be thrown in jail. It's an extreme position. We're talking about the Overton window. I'm going with the common sense of you should not dump toxic waste in our river. And if you did, you have to clean it up. Yeah. And it's not my fault. I'm not taxing you. Yeah. I am... Issuing a fine for bad things you've done, and that's where I'm at on climate change. If we need to get the countdown so that we're alive in 50 years, the Earth will be fine, as we know. It's six billion years old. It'll be here after we die off. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, we need to preserve the Earth for us. Okay, what, so what, it has to be within a livable window where crops don't die off. Um, minimum wage. Oh, uh, minimum wage. There's another tough one in the um, third district. Yeah, that just got shot down in the legislature. As it did, well. and it was only nine dollars. Is what we were looking right, at. and that's not even. I mean, obviously, the national chant right now is fifteen, which I do think is high because the cost of living index, the minimum in uh, Louisiana, is around twelve dollars. Yeah, uh, and it's not for me to say, and that's where the argument comes back, and I am on a middle ground on that. Do I think? Seven twenty-five an hour is a livable wage. No, obviously it's not. I'm not stupid. I can add mm-hmm. you know, twelve yeah. minus seven twenty-five. Yeah. Um, the difference is, uh, and people say, well, you can't force the you know small businesses have got a business. And my only response to that, after thinking about it a lot, is if you're only in business because you're charging slave wages, we outlawed slavery. So yeah, you know, you're not allowed to charge slave wages. You have to tighten up elsewhere. I'm sorry, I don't have a better answer than. You know, it's like the, the American practice of paying uh, waiters, waitstaff, two-something an hour because it's allegedly made up in tips. And in some places, sure, on, you know, in a good nightclub, you can make $500 in a night. But, you know, working the night shift today, right. you might only make 8 bucks, so you just made $15 for a night's worth of work. I'm gonna combine I've these, seen it. I'm, I'm going to combine these next two. Sure. Abortion, death penalty. Okay. Well, that's where you come to where are you actually pro-life. Or are you? I'm not uh, trying to. I'm not trying to. No, nope, I got to get. I'm going to get these at some point. Yeah, so, uh, I am actually pro-life in the sense that I would love to reduce reduce abortion to zero. I'd love yeah, to, uh, by encouraging uh, and financing, it's in the public good, so it should be uh, financed by the public. Uh, full birth control availability, male or, or female, and uh, increased. Uh, financing of sexual uh, sex education. Okay, uh, those two things. Well, we know inevitably shown that's to reduce reduce unwanted pregnancies. Sure, sure. Now, where I differ with Republicans is, I don't think pro life means you take away the right to choose. Okay, yeah. okay. So you're uh, you, you are pro choice. I am pro choice. Yeah, um, but, but I you don't like that. their label because yeah. they're obviously bullshit. Because you can't be pro life and pro death penalty. Yeah. To yeah, it is. It creates. It creates. A, I'm not. I am anti-death penalty. Me overall. too. Yeah, me too. Because if you look at it, if the state can make a one mistake in a death penalty case, and it's been shown they've made, we've made it, at least here in Louisiana. We, we thankfully we've not actually. It's well, I shouldn't say 
As far as we know, we have not executed an innocent person, but DNA is relatively new. Right. But we do know that 11 people were on death row in Louisiana and later found to be not guilty and right, completely exonerated. Yeah. So my point is, if any, you, if there can ever be a single mistake, it's not a policy. It shouldn't be the policy that it's states just, to kill somebody. Yeah. Basic due process. And punish somebody with a life imprisonment. Yeah. I'm not soft on crime. I don't want them mixing with the general population. Right. I just don't think the state should be in charge of murder unless they're 100%. And if we ever get to the point where we're 100% in trials, I'll revisit this the question. This is a question that was brought Because up. the state is responsible for death. That's what pro-life people hypocritically forget. We are. I mean, as a state, as yeah. a government, we order wars. That's true. People die. Yeah. And they know that. And that's part of the government's responsibility. It's the weight of all. We of train people care. to kill, and we train people to kill, and that's just part of it in the modern era. And uh, pretend it isn't is being disingenuous. Yeah, we have to face up to it. There are tough choices we have to make in life. Now I know that you know you just are running for Congress is different yeah. than running for governor, running for state rep. Yeah, and um, the issues that that a you know statewide candidate will be faced with are probably a little different. But that said, you probably know. You're, you, you get asked a lot of stuff hmm, about state policy that you may have to be like, let me Google that. Let me Google that, let me and let me also bar. tell you, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, or this clear. Is, let me call clear. This is not my job. This is not the job I'm running for. You know, I can I can only. Yeah, and I've had those questions. Yeah. 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 But um, your impression of the state legislature and and the governor right now? I mean. Oh. And I have to be honest. Okay. Yeah, you state, have to be honest. Yeah, yeah, the state legislature, I am not impressed currently. Yeah. Uh, I think they had at least three major bills in the last couple of weeks with which I think they did a complete 180 uh-huh. from what they should have done. Uh-huh. Um, not only wrong, but hella wrong. You know, I mean, are you referring to the abortion? The, uh, the abortion heartbeat, was, heartbeat bill. Heartbeat bill, which was then uh, signed by Governor Edwards, so we'll get to him in a second. Yeah. And then, of course, the complete bungling and then uh, illegally maintaining the illegality of medical cannabis. Right. I mean, we've got veterans. One of the groups I was backing this spring uh, was, uh, you know, Cannabis for Warriors and uh, the Louisiana Veterans for Medical Cannabis, two groups, and they held a rally at Baton Rouge um, lobbying the state legislature, please, for at least for the veterans. Right. And, of course, it makes sense to do it for all Louisiana residents, but the, here we are as veterans telling you that cannabis helps us. You know, there's one guy who could not walk without the use of yeah, cannabis just, too many you know there's so everybody brought their stories to sorry, the, I mean, it's, yeah, the death yeah and then the 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 that was a no-brainer never mind you know the it's the cruel food. it's just cruel it's cruel it's absolutely yeah. cruel. never mind the recreational benefits that uh, colorado washington and other states are yeah the tax the benefits, revenue right boost and the boost to education i'm not even talking about this was medical marijuana and they just turned their backs on it. Yeah, and then of and course, CBD they, too. I mean, and CBD, and they arrested some guy. They gave oh. him in Lafayette. Yeah, gave him a license, told him to open the shop. Went down there opening day. They lock him up and charge him with the on spurious the grounds. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Oh, that was br- that's uh, like only in Louisiana, folks. And you had a third. You had a third bill. The third one was the the minimum wage. The minimum wage. Yeah, the three. Then it's like, come on, you guys. Yeah. You know, we don't have to get up to 2019, you know, yeah. like the rest of the world, but let's get into 2000s. Okay, you know? and you were going to say about the governor. Yeah, the governor, though, I found that uh, his siding with an unnecessary bill was, it was disappointing as, yeah. as a progressive think- Democrat in Louisiana. It was, it was, and I'd love to be harsh, but he is a Democrat. 
and he's the only of the southernmost states. He's the only Democratic governor. And, and you're and not we, you would consider do yourself a single issue voter. And I am not a single issue voter. But yeah, he pissed me off on that one. Yeah. But then you know now we're at moving on. Uh, the bill would have passed anyway, which has been constantly pointed out, and is true. The bill would have passed anyway, overwhelmingly. You're just saying why? Why but put your name on I it? I think if you're going to be a Democrat, you should at least say, you know, Roe versus Wade is the Supreme Court decision. It's the law of the land. I don't want to fight, uh, you know, uh, put Louisiana in a position to be fighting the Supreme Court for uh, legitimacy on, yeah. on, on, on an issue that has been decided 46 years ago. Just, you know, let them override your veto. But then at least as a legislator, you talk, told the women of your state, you vow, I'm, you know, you have value rather than dismissing because of his personal beliefs half of the state and that's the part that's like you know what if I go down in flames when I'm in Congress if I make a decision that just the electorate turns against me it's going to be on principle and it'll be like well I did the right thing it's strange and to me I live with, I'll it, live with it's it. strange to me and you know it's look it's disappointing to me too it's disappointing yeah. um, I think it's disappointing to 95% of the people I know who's voted, who voted for him and um, and including you know people that are still a hundred percent behind him. They, sure. They're gonna, you know, sure. they're gonna donate. They're gonna do work their asses off to get him elected because right. this is an election year. Because it's an election year, and Lord knows we don't want Ralph Abraham or Eddie Rusconi. <laughs> no, we do not. You know, so either or both. But no. you know, but I, I, it wasn't that long ago in American politics when you had someone like Joe Biden. Well, actually, he's you know now back in the, hey, in the spotlight. Hey, welcome who, back. Who, and and here in Louisiana, Edwin Edwards, who would say. The government doesn't have any role in the bedroom. That's, right. of course, Edwin's line. That's <laughs> and, right. And, and Uncle Joe would say, I'm not going to impose my faith, just like John F. Kennedy said. Right. I'm not, I'm not, John F. Kennedy, the first Catholic president. The first Catholic president. I'm not going to impose my faith right. you know, on other Americans. It's, it's my personal faith. And I, I think that if more, I think it's a reasonable answer. You know, and um, and that's how I feel about legislation. Yeah, my my you know my wife and I attend a church, but I'm not going to say which one or where. It's irrelevant. I believe in the separation of church and state. Yeah, I'm running for a government position. My religion should have nothing to do with yeah that job, which is why I don't talk about it. Yeah, do you go to church? Yep. So and so did you visit? Did you visit churches when you campaigned? Yes. Did you have? <laughs> what was your favorite church to visit? Uh, the, 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 Lake Charles, what was that Baptist church? Uh, I'm going to sound terrible, not remembering the name. I'm sorry, there's a lot of places, but that, that one was probably my favorite. It was a great turnout, a very engaged audience uh, for a forum. Actually, Verone Thomas was there. As ah. was, as was uh, Josh Guillory um, and many of the local... I, I, do, uh, I do remember this event. Yeah. yeah. A lot yeah. of the local... Um, Election uh, people running for local, like you know, the this guy yeah. running for sheriff, the school board, the marshal. And... There were a lot of things running at that time. Yeah, school board. Um, so that one was a lot of fun. They were very respectful and engaged audience. And okay, so so that was good. that was a good experience. So um, I always ask folks um, at the very end of of interviews like this one a couple of questions, um, but let's see how it can. You're not originally from Louisiana, so this. This may be a little more challenging. Um, let's start with what is your favorite dish, food, food, dish, you know, f that's from Louisiana. Louisiana? From Louisiana? Oh, that's an easy one. Jambalaya. Jambalaya. Absolutely. Uh, and I've learned to make several variations. I make an etouffee, but, you know, etouffee. So you're a chef? I'm a cook, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a good one. 
Um, yeah. Favorite? Uh, do you have a favorite restaurant? Oh, the, the, the Lake Charles ones? I don't think I should endorse any of them. But. Um, well, we're not asking you to endorse. Oh, okay. The places I go in Lake Charles. Yeah. Lafayette. Well, Lafayette has the, the, the tapas bar. Uh, oh, yeah. Downtown? Pom- Pomodoro. Ooh, I'm drawing a No, no, I know. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. The tapas bar, that's my favorite place in Lafayette. And then probably Blue Moon in Lake Charles. Yes, yes. Yes. The Blue the, Moon the Saloon. Moon, the, yeah, the, the, the Blue Dog. Closed down. The Blue Dog did close down. Um, uh, Probably the Blue Moon. Okay, and so the last question I have. Sure. Um, Aside from your own house, Uh what is your favorite place in Louisiana? Ooh, favorite place in Louisiana. I know that's a stalling tactic when people repeat the question. It's okay. It's okay. I'm trying to think. Um, You can name more than one. I mean, yeah. Okay. Well, there's uh, actually the, the... I guess you call it downtown the, the, the walk in Lafayette. Uh-huh. That uh, when we first moved to this region, my wife and I, that was one of the first urban encounters we did. Now, we'd been to New Orleans before. Yeah. But that's like a, a world city. You know, yeah. It's like it's, it's its own category. The downtown Butter Lafayette, it was just very, it felt very homey to us. Like, you know, parts of Maryland are like that. It is neat, and it's relatively a new thing. Right, it's relatively new. There were a lot of good restaurants along there, a lot of good places. First place we tried in Mexico. So that'd be my probably my favorite, because we still go there. Yeah. Just that little area, especially in the evening when it started to cool down. Yeah. There's people hanging out on the sidewalks. It's New Orleans light. It's like feels just newer, because New Orleans is also... It's just deeply built on its own history. Sure. So you know, the 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 the, the cobblestones bleed with history in New Orleans. Yeah. But in Lafayette, it feels like all right, we're making new memories. Yeah. And I'd say, yeah, that's our favorite place. My favorite place. I don't know what she'd say. <laughs> well, life that is. I was well, I think that's a good answer, and it's not. I, I don't think you're pandering to the voters of Lafayette by just by saying that. No, honestly, no. Uh, because it is. It, I, I love Lafayette, yeah. and I think. It's a great city, great little city that could be even better. Yes, a lot you of know, potential. A lot of potential. But they have a good building block. Um, I, think, I have a, a good friend of mine, uh, Mike McHale. I'm just gonna, yeah, I'm just gonna, Mike. I'm just gonna quote you, Mike. You may just, you may slap me next time you see me. But I asked Mike once um, about Lake Charles. I said, uh-huh. you know, what needs to happen in Lake Charles for Lake Charles to really improve? And Mike said, I'd say about five funerals. <laughs> oh, and yeah. and I kind of think that that's probably true about a lot of places that were held back by an older generation, an older generation of certain big families who've always been big, yeah. who like things a certain way. Yeah, and, and, and I don't. You're not wrong. Yeah, no, Mike's not wrong. Mike's not wrong. Mike's a smart guy. Well, Rob, thanks so much for uh, joining me. Um, it's been a real pleasure. If people want to follow you and. Um, message you on Twitter or online, how do they get in touch with you? Well, on Facebook, I'm at Rob Anderson for Louisiana, of course, and also Bayou Rising. You can uh, message me through either of those pages. On Twitter, I'm at at Rob Anderson 2018, and obviously my DMs are open. I talk to constituents all the time. I I hate to make you do this, but Bayou Rising, we didn't even talk about Bayou Rising. You want to tell just very, very briefly what Bayou sure. Rising is? Sure. Uh, Bayou Rising is a nonprofit here in Louisiana. There's seven board members, of which I'm just one. And uh, the purpose of Bayou Rising is to promote uh, progressive causes and candidates in the state of Louisiana. It's a state-level project. Well, that's excellent. That sounds like something I'd like to get involved in. <laughs> I can uh, only imagine. Um, uh, anyway, really appreciate it, and I hope the next time we 
uh, do one of these podcasts, uh, you are on your way to Washington, D.C. So uh, I hope the same thing. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Me.